All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode you are, 29. Oh, we're ready. <laughs> we're doing it, man. <laughs> My name is Alex Dorio. Oh, we're live, buddy. We're live, pal. Go back. No we're way. Live, we're live. Sid Vicious. What is going on there? <laughs> In celebration of Psycho Sid, main event run at this uh, pay-per-view. Uh, this is Talking Taker, episode 29, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time we appreciate you joining us along the ride uh for another round of dead man talking my name is alex dorio i already said that i'm one of your co-hosts and creatures of the night and of course i'm joined by the man you heard talking in the background <laughs> travis white and as you said right before we started this it's time it's time <laughs> it's Vader's not on this card, but it's time. <laughs> oh, Vader, man. What a great guy in WCW. His WWF run leads a lot to be desired, man. Yeah. A whole lot. One of the all-time disappointments, I would say. Yeah, seriously. Sure. I love him in WCW. Him and Sting, him and Cactus, him and oh, just everything, man. It's so great. Him yeah. and Flair. Or not Flair, but uh, Ricky Steamboat, I think it was. Um, all that stuff is fantastic. But yeah, WWF did not know how to handle him. But he's supposed to be in the main event here on In Your House. It's time. But he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. And this match that we're going to cover certainly does not deserve to be in the main event either. Uh, it's not in the main event. Uh, it would not be a main event anywhere. I mean. In history. What What did I just watch, man? What What, what was this? Bro, I don't know. I've got so much to say, and that's not a good thing. Like, I have almost it's a great song, as though. many notes on this match. Huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have almost as many notes for this match as I do, um, like, the Buried Alive match, which was really long and a lot to talk about in a good way. But this right. one is not that. But uh, I still have a ton of notes just because I have no idea what I just watched. I have no clue. I have no clue. It's got to go. I to watch it twice. It's so bad. <laughs> It go. I think it goes on the Mount Rushmore of Undertaker stinkers, along with the uh, Rest in Peace match and the Final mm. Curtain match and the first, last, and only, as far as I can tell, Armageddon rules match of the Undertaker's career against the Executioner here at the December 1996 In Your House It's Time pay per view. Yeah, December 15th, 1996. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, I got a little knowledge I like to drop on you. Drop here. So, um, Terry Go- Terry Gordy, who plays um, the legendary, you know, one of the fabulous Freebirds, one of the greatest uh, wrestling tag teams factions of all time. Um, there'd probably be no Stone Cold Steve Austin if there were no fabulous Freebirds. He loves those guys. Anyway, Terry Gordy, those of you who haven't been listening or don't know, he's the executioner here. His birthday is April 23rd, as is John Cena's, mm. as is William Shakespeare's, oh. as is me. About That's that. your Mount Rushmore. Your Mount Rushmore of April twenty third. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I take myself off of it. Uh, oh, but, I thought you were gonna anyway. take Shakespeare off. <laughs> no way. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, he's he has nothing to do with wrestling. Although Undertaker does the Shakespeare pose, you keep True. calling it. So bring it on back to Undertaker here. So yeah. Anyway, Fun fact for you, everybody, and uh, <laughs> we'll definitely be yeah. celebrating your birthday on here uh, in a few weeks. I wonder what match will be fall uh, that week. I'm not uh, yeah, sure. I'm excited. Hope you I'm get a good present. I'm just be surprised. I hope so. I hope it's not <laughs> something like this. It's 90, It'll be 97, so it'll be good. Yeah, but, uh, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, we're going to talk about 1997 uh, here towards the end, but we got to wrap up 1996 first, and uh, we're going to wrap it up. Wrap it up. Christmas present. Put on a bow on it. Yeah, a little coal and, in the uh, stocking. This is one of those re-gift presents. <laughs> or that. <laughs> present you give to somebody you don't like, and you give it away <laughs> to somebody else that you really don't like that much. Um, that's what this present is. Again, December of 96, this is uh, the World Wrestling Federation's Christmas present to us for the, a great start to the year for The Undertaker in 96. Gr- some good matches, a wonderful long, long-form long storytelling between Mankind and him with Goldust, you know, chopping it up in between. And then... You got this lump of coal at the end of the year and just talking about the executioner. So, yeah, man. Yeah, 1996 Dud. definitely has had its highs and lows. We had the Bret Hart match, the uh, Diesel match. Both of those are really good. And, of course, the Mankind feud has been, uh, I think, unquestionably the uh, most exciting, uh, yeah. best thing we've seen along this journey uh, through The Undertaker's career. Uh, definitely some of the best matches. That King of the Ring 96 match was incredible. Uh, Boiler Room Brawl was pretty special. Uh, Buried Alive was was very fun and unique. Uh, and then, you know, we also had the Gold Dust feud, which led to three mm-hmm. pretty <laughs> pretty not so great matches. Uh, we had this Survivor Series match just this past uh, last week, and now we're getting to this match. Uh, we keep avoiding talking about it, uh, like we tend to do with <laughs> yeah. these bad matches, uh, but. Uh, let's talk about the buildup real quick. Um, I would yeah. actually say if you're going to watch anything related to this match, uh, there's a couple of really good matches in the buildup. Uh, the buildup is sure. a lot better than the actual match itself here. And um, kind of starts off on Raw uh, 185 on the WWE Network. Uh, I think it's the night after Survivor Series. Is that the one after Survivor Series? Yeah. Yeah, it opens up with something yeah, really okay. cool. Uh, they call it a tough man contest between Mankind and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And basically, it's two heels facing each yeah. other. But they call it a tough guy fight. I thought it was a really cool idea, something a little bit different yeah. way to sell that. And it's a really unique match. Uh, they actually end up, I've been going through the, the next set of Raws, going into uh, uh, Royal Rumble. And they actually do a couple more of these. Uh, they have Stone Cold and Vader fight. And then they have Mankind and Owen Hart fight. And they call them Tough Man battles every time. Just because so, they're heel versus heel. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of different, kind of yeah. unique. And uh, I, I would actually definitely go back, go out of my way to watch this uh, if I was anybody out there listening. It was really cool. Yeah. The match is good, too. Again, it's just a precursor of what's to come in the next several years as, you know, Mick Foley and all of his various characters will feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, um, But that match ends in DQ when the, the executioner interferes, right? At the end of it, I think he comes in and starts attacking Steve Austin. And then Undertaker comes out, which is kind of strange. He's a baby face, but they're, everybody's a heel in the match. But he comes out to kind of save Stone Cold almost. Maybe not really to save him, but to get his hands on Executioner and uh, and Mankind. And uh, he takes him out. But uh, then Austin clotheslines him over the top rope. But good, he lands on his feet because he's got that magical <laughs> yep. Undertaker power. But uh, he lands on his feet, but then they have to stare off. They kind of stare at each other. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we've seen him wrestle twice on Raw, I believe, at this point. But with two good matches, but uh, this is again just kind of setting the seeds for what we know. Again, in hindsight, we can look back and see all this and how this plays up in the '97, '98, you know, and, and the years to come. But pretty cool little stare off there, you know, from the Pirate Taker and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Really subtle, uh, bit of a tease towards yeah. uh, a match we would see. Uh, we're going to get to in 1997, and uh, we're going to get to uh, many more times after that. So uh, that, was, that was really fun, uh, little way to build that and. 
kind of you can kind of already tell that the executioner feud is just uh, a stopgap, really uh, mm-hmm. to get to bigger and better things. They're already teasing this thing with Stone Cold, so yeah. <laughs> um, the next week, Raw 186, uh, we get another barn burner of a match as Freddie Joe Floyd uh, <laughs> continues his feud with Paul Bearer's faction. You know, he's been fighting mankind a couple times, and now he's going to go head to head with the Executioner and the Executioner's Monday Night Raw debut. The Executioner's music here just kind of blends in with Mankind's music and Stone Cold's old music and half the other music on the roster at this yeah. time. You know, Jim Johnson yeah. created some really awesome music and he made some really garbage theme music too. It's uh, true. Around this time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's like he used the same like font or, you know, like not font, but the same like uh, whatever Pro Tools or however he was using it back then, you know, but he's the same like, he's just on band. this kick of like, this same, this on the same kick of like, I want this organ kind of piano y airy music and yeah you could have interchanged those four guys and they're not knowing who's coming out you know <laughs> it's just crazy but yeah freddie joe floyd versus executioner and it's during this match that we find out as the viewer uh it's announced on commentary that the undertaker versus executioner in an armageddon rules match um one time one time only i believe this is only yeah, one it's the only ever. time they've done a couple <laughs> matches like this but i think it's the only time i right. ever called it an armageddon rules match and it basically it's a version of a last man standing match, pretty much, except that there are going to be falls in between. Sort of, uh, under, I mean, not, excuse me, Crush and Macho Man Randy Savage had a match like this at WrestleMania 10. So it's pretty similar to that match if anyone out there has ever seen that. Uh, but there's going to be pinfalls, uh, and after the pinfall, the wrestler is going to have a chance to answer the 10 count. And uh, right. if they can, then the match continues. Uh and if not, then the match is over. So basically, just a modified last man standing match. Yeah. No DQ, no submissions, unlimited number of falls. Like you said, no count outs. Uh, but yeah, pinfalls. But then, yeah, you still have to get up after 10 seconds if you don't. So yeah, you got to sit down for a 13 count, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> three Wait, is not enough. Man, that would have made I, much I more was... sense with Undertaker. <laughs> Could have had an unlucky 13. Match. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that would have been great. Um, but I, think, I do believe on that Pritchard podcast when they talked about this match, uh, he, he mentioned this is a form of like a Texas death match they used to have, like Terry yeah. Funk and those guys used to have in yeah. world class. So, yeah. But although I do want to say in this match on this Raw, um, we're talking a lot more about this French Joe Floyd match. I thought we would. But uh, this is where Executioner uses his finisher, which is an eight. They call it an Asian spike. And for those of you... <laughs> Younger listeners, it might remember Umaga. It's basically the same thing. His thumb's not taped up or anything, but he pulls his thumb up and he just jabs it into their carotid artery, basically, in their neck. But they call it an Asian spike, and as the weeks go on, they call it an Asiatic spike. I'm not sure what the difference is, but what a freaking lame finish for this guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Vince just misspoke. I think it was supposed to be the Asiatic spike, and he just accidentally said the yeah. Asian spike in there. Because the uh, I'm I rewound it, make sure, because I, I knew it was called an Asiatic spike, but he calls it an Asian spike here, and I was like, "What?" So yeah, but it's it, just it's, it's lame, so lame. But I, I it kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of a mark for old kind of cheesy finishers like the Iron Claw, and uh, well, I love when Umaga did it, but yeah, here yeah, I don't yeah. like I don't like the just his execution. For this story, 
Exactly. I don't like his execution. It's Matt. It's not excellently executed. So well, he does uh, do the uh, the bar symbol before he, uh, he does. does the Asian uh, the Asian spike uh, sticks the the thumb thumbs in the middle out the middle. Uh, yeah. to the crowd. That's true. Uh, so that's probably where they got it from. I'm definitely hundred percent sure. Um, speaking of the Freebirds. Uh, I put this on, uh, I think I put it on Instagram or Twitter or something a couple uh, weeks ago as I was watching this, but here we see in this match, I believe this is the only time the Freebirds ever appeared together on screen in the WWF because Terry Gordy is wrestling in this match, uh, and in the middle of it, there's a split-screen interview with Doc Hendricks, uh, cutting a promo, doing an interview with somebody, so... On TV, you've got Doc Hendricks, a.k.a. Michael Hayes, and you've got executioner Terry Gordy on screen at the same time <laughs> together. I think it's the only time in WWF history the Freebirds appeared on WWF TV, Monday Night Raw, uh, anything like that. So, a little yeah, that's wrong. for you. D- were they not, did they not make it to WWF in like eight, the 80s at all? I don't think they were on I don't TV. Remember. Yeah, I think they were there for like a cup of coffee. I don't think they were on TV though either. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. So yeah, that's pretty neat. Again, it's not even as the Freebird characters. It's, no, exactly. It's Doc Hendricks and the Executioner. And the Executioner. <laughs> uh, which apparently, yeah, they talk on Pritchard podcast that Vince just hated the Freebirds and he didn't want yeah. Michael Hayes. He didn't want Terry Gordy. He had to dress them up into different things. Uh, so, get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, get a haircut. Shave the uh, mustache or shave the goat, take the beard off for Doc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a cool little piece of trivia there. So. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting as I was watching it. Yeah, um, nothing, that's about it. That's about all that's interesting about this. There's uh, nothing on the next week of Raw unless you need to keep up with the uh, brackets for the Karate Fighters tournament this year. Uh, <laughs> but so, other than that, you can move on to Raw 188, uh, which has had something really cool. I, I didn't even remember this is match. This, is this uh, December 9th with the – it's uh, – oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, I know where we're headed. So, yeah, this is December 9th. It, it starts out with a video recapping the whole story since SummerSlam, which is, or, yeah, since SummerSlam between Mankind and the Executioner and Undertaker and stuff. So, um, but yeah, go ahead and talk about this this match that comes up because it is, it is neat. Yeah, that video is so. great, and they're doing it because uh, Undertaker and Mankind are going to have a match on Raw leading into In Your House, It's Time, and they're going to have a no holds barred match. Uh, so they, which should have been what Survivor Series. Well, was, I, but but why have an unsanctioned match right. and then lead into a sanctioned match? But there's right. no holds barred. I mean, yeah, all this it, it doesn't make any sense logically when you're going back and studying it like we are. But uh, I guess it was you know it was whatever back then. It was just cool to see Undertaker and Mankind on free TV. You know, it's yeah, pay per view every time, and now. Uh, they're putting it on TV. Um, something really cool. They had that video package open the show, but they also it's the first time I remember. Uh, well, I guess not the first time, but they do specifically have a parental discretion advised warning uh, before yeah, Raw yeah. starts, and it's not like the network thing that comes on that has parental discretion. Sometimes this was from back then in 1996, so they're yeah. kind of advertising that it's going to get wild. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get messy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're advertising is, that, but it doesn't really. You know, it's pretty, sure. pretty basic, but it's solid. It's a good. It's worth go, going to watch. But uh, yeah. it's nothing they, like their pay per view matches. No, if they'd have moved this match ahead six days, or I guess four 
or delayed it six more days for the it's time pay-per-view would have been would have been great yeah but uh but it, it's a hard-hitting you know a good main events brutal as usual i mean like as far as their intensity and everything they, they just take it to each other and stuff but um uh <laughs> one of my favorite things i've ever heard in my entire life i think you and i both know what's coming uh we so during undertaker's entrance <laughs> jim ross says and i quote I mean, that's the quote of the year for the podcast <laughs> so far, unquestionably. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're 29 episodes in, and that takes a cake. Heenan stuff was fantastic. <laughs> Lawler's had some golden ones. What does that mean? Well, I mean... <laughs> At what point did JR discuss that with Mankind? Uh, he mu- JR knows Mankind better than anybody. We've learned that throughout the year. Yeah. So they, they don't just talk about wrestling. They talk about their uh, innermost feelings and, uh, and guess, all that good stuff. I guess so. Oh, oh man, it's but, so good. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so watch it just for that. Um, Undertaker wins clean. Uh, he's able to put mankind away. So kind of, you know, uh, this pay per view match is going to be the end of things really for this feud. But it's kind of putting a yeah. button on the mankind portion of it, uh, getting a clean win finally. Uh, yeah, on Raw. there are some weapon spots too. They do use some weapons, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, which is good. But yeah, clean win. You're right. Tombstone again. Protecting that tombstone. And Paul Bearer looks scared of Undertaker, but Executioner runs out uh, after the match is over and, and hits the hits the spike on Undertaker um, to sell you on the pay-per-view that Sunday, although it's not, not really the barn burner to really get you to buy the pay-per-view. And I think this is right. one of the most historically uh, worst buy rates in WWF history. I think so, yeah. Mistaken. Yeah. Um, but the show fades to black. I mean, the show fades to black as he's got the spike on Undertaker, yeah. you know? So that's kind of they're not. It's not even the uh, Sid and – or is it Sid and Sean the main event? What's no, Sid and event? Brett. No, Sid and Brett. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, it's not even that storyline that's going off the air, you know, to sell it. So, yeah, it's kind of cool, you know, spot for them to be in. Uh, it's not going to last very long for Terry Gordy. <laughs> no, he's – Undertaker's trying, man. And, and yeah. we're going to see that throughout the years – Undertaker tries to put new talent over all the time, and sometimes it's oh, yeah. people like Mankind who take the ball and run with it, but Undertaker's trying with Executioner here. He tried with Sal Sincere a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. gave him a ton of offense. You know, you can't say that Undertaker is not generous, uh, and uh, you know we can't say that Undertaker tries to bury people. He's, he's doing his best, man, trying to get something out of right. Terry Gordy. He'll bury you a lot, but he won't bury you in the wrestling business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So that leads uh, us into the uh, pay-per-view. Um, it's they, time. Getting it's this, time. This match. It's time. Yeah. Um, we oh, do get a yeah. pre-match well, video. Do, oh, go ahead. Oh, I want to say, before the pre-match video, there's an interview in the back with Sid Vicious, or Psycho Sid, I guess. And he's got his Billy Madison hat on, man. <laughs> His hat is way back behind his head. It looks like he's like he's in Billy Madison. I just expect him to be like Harry Dobie when he's talking to the interviewer. But it just I just started laughing out loud. He looks just like Billy Madison. I did thought head. that. Was, but anyway, yeah, I thought he looked ridiculous. Yeah, he looks I noticed awful. That. It was a softball hat, I guess. So, but yeah, it's a really cool video beforehand. Um, kind of recapping it, and uh, but an execution comes out, and it's like from parts unknown and with weight unknown, which I, I thought was a cool little yeah. touch, you know. Yeah. He doesn't. He hasn't registered with the athletic commission. You know, they don't have his weight or his uh, identity or where he's from. So, but in all seriousness, I do think that's a cool like 
suspended disbelief and this guy they don't know where he's from or anything that's that's pretty neat you know i do so. too i mean we you never never see that anymore I, mean, I can't remember the last time somebody was from parts unknown weight unknown you know everybody just goes yeah. to nxt and they're <laughs> from some normal town and you have we know everything about them i mean do a video package to tell you who they really are uh, you never get right. any, any mystery at all um Aside from, I guess maybe Bray Wyatt would be the uh, last person you have some sort of mystery to, some, sure. something like that. But yeah, it's just so rarely done now. and It, it, it can really distinguish a guy and make him special. Yeah, um, true. As the Executioner comes out, one of the announcers talks about the vacant eyes of the Executioner, which is sad but true. Yeah. <laughs> He's just... That's a shoot. <laughs> you know, Terry Gordy, you, know, you can... Look it up on Wikipedia. He just wasn't all there at this time. He had some drug overdose problems, yeah. a lot of health problems, uh, and he's just not the guy that he was. Terry Gordy versus The Undertaker. Terry Gordy of 1990 or something versus Undertaker of 96 would have been a barn burner, man. Would have yeah. been awesome. But it's just not the same here. So he comes out. Undertaker comes out, and he's already kind of ditched the leather. Uh, he's got yep. <laughs> more of a denim sort of look, I guess. Black denim, maybe. <laughs> yeah um yeah no wings this time doesn't no come down from the top he comes down from the uh, down the aisle and he raises the light on the stairs again like we've we've mentioned a couple episodes ago he's kind of changed to that rather than getting in on the top or the camera angle is different like it's down below him as he raises the lights but yeah he's got the teardrops still he's got some eyeshadow like these weird eyebrow like eyeshadow up there too and he's got his elbow pads it, but this time he's got wrist tape and hand tape too mm. He's got black around his wrist tape and hand tape, so and the little black outfit. But like, yeah, it's kind of like a black denim almost, like you said. It's not shiny, shimmery pirate swashbuckler, princess bride, Undertaker. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's. But um, oh, I was gonna say something. Uh, oh, they they had the graphic ahead of time before the match begins, explaining all the rules. That, you know, it's getting special attention. You know, they're but they're also having to explain the rules because it doesn't really make right. sense to a, a normal casual fan. So. Um, but I just want to say, man, this 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 uh, pay per view is is in West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, the Florida Gator fans are out. Like, uh, oh man, tonight <laughs> there are so many Florida Gator guys. They're just like typical '90s Florida Gator, like cut off like flannel shirts and jean shorts, and it's just uh, it's hilarious to look at the guys. They all like Bobby Budnick again from uh, Salute Your Shorts. So. That's funny. Yeah, it's always one of the best things with these 90s WWE shows <laughs> is just enjoying the crowd, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people watching in the crowd. Um, yeah. You know, the. I was going to ask you this, too. Um, how old do you think Terry Gordy is here? 35. He, 36. So, 36? Okay. Yeah, I thought right he was born on. like 60 or 61, right? Yeah, so he's he, 35 wrestles this match like he's 60 he does yeah it's just ugly slow and look uh you know we've said many times we're not professional wrestlers no who are we to to say somebody's a bad wrestler criticize that but um yeah we haven't talked about this too much but we we uh in college we tried to become wrestlers for about a month or two (laughs) yeah uh we took some bumps and, and ran the ropes and uh, worked a couple practice matches uh, at a ring out in Harlem, Georgia, and Got my butt kicked. <laughs> oh, we did absolutely. I've never been more sore in my life. Uh, nope. And, but I would say, based on our limited experience, 
you or I probably could have had the about the same sort of match that the executioner oh, yeah. had no. here Absolutely. in your house. It's not. I'm not trying to be cocky or bold or arrogant and saying no. that. That feels like that's the level of action and selling and performing that's going on here, and it's uh, it's sad. It's a shame. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I like I'm glad you brought the selling because again, Terry Gordy is again they're the greatest three man team in history. I think. I mean, you got the four horsemen is four or five, include the manager, but the three man team. You can talk about Shield and <laughs> New Day or whatever you want to, but like I think you know. Uh, the Freebirds, you know, that three-way, the Freebird rule about them, you know, sharing the belts, it's great. And Terry Gordy was the, he was the, the heavy hitter in that. Right. He was the Arn Anderson of that of that group, you know, to to compare to the Horsemen. Um, he's great, but uh, yeah, he, he definitely is a show. We're not crapping on Terry Gordy, the, the man or the wrestler, but he's definitely not in a place where he even should have been put in the ring. Like, he doesn't sell well. It, it really looks like it's his first time. He looks yeah. like a green guy. He looks yeah. like, he, like like a... 19 year old green kid off the street because he doesn't sell his eyes are everywhere he's he's constantly putting his arms out for irish whips like you can tell like he he's court or he's he's telegraphing what's coming next and he's constantly looking at undertaker to get the next spot call too it's just really uh a really like green match you know with someone who actually is a seasoned vet right um, so i'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to bring it up too so i'm glad you pointed that out um it's sad it's, it's honest honestly it's sad like we're not crapping on him we're not exactly you know but it really is not fun to watch because <laughs> no. it's just sad. And um, they clearly knew this already going into it. He had that match on Raw. He also uh, – I watched a match on Superstars yeah. he <clears> had <throat> against uh, Bert Centeno, a uh, great 90s jobber right there, um, which maybe oh, that's why he lost. His tune-up matches were against Freddie Joe Floyd and yeah, Bert Centeno, and Taker tuned up against Mankind. I mean that's just poor yeah. planning on the executioner's part. It's like, Paul it's Bear, like having two preseason games. It's like having two preseason football games and going to the, uh, you know, the uh, playoff, the AFC championship, you know, you can't do that. You can't do that. that. They clearly knew Executioner just didn't have it. So basically they're already saying before the match even began, they're basically promising outside interference in this match. Sure. And almost (laughs) just barely a couple minutes into it, Mankind runs out uh, to interfere and, Mankind works half the match. It just becomes mm-hmm. a handicap match in a lot of ways. Uh, so he ends up taking a lot of the bumps and, and doing a lot of the wrestling yeah. instead of the executioner here. Yeah, he does. Um, I do want to mention this before we kind of break down the match. Uh, does Terry Gordy resemble one of the vultures from the Robin Hood animated cartoon to you? Like in his outfit? <laughs> when I looked at him in his outfit, it reminded me of the little vultures from the Robin Hood animated film. I don't know why, so... They probably it just it looked like them to me. So I'm gonna know. let you roll with that because I don't remember that at all. So <laughs> oh man, oh man, shame on you. But uh, yeah, I don't have so kids, match... man. I haven't seen those Disney oh, movies. In a long I'm time. talking about for them. I'm talking about for me. I watched that movie all the time when I was a kid. So I don't even think I watch it with my kids. So anyway, um, but Taker goes right at the executioner at the beginning. Hits a ugly looking back body drop. Um. And I do want to say this, like, the, so everyone knows the famous Ric Flair corner flip. Like, Ric Flair gets whipped in the corner, he flips off the turnbuckles, lands on the apron, walks toward the guy, and the guy clotheslines him. That's the spot. Everyone knows the Ric Flair corner flip. Well, Gordy tries that, basically. Do you remember the spot? Undertaker throws him into the corner, he flips up it, and then he just, like, hangs there. But, like, yeah. it's bad. Like, it, it really looks like a, he looks like a guy on Tough Enough, like, learning how, <laughs> how to bump. 
he's hanging there, and you can tell Undertaker's a little frustrated, like at him. So, but Taker's trying. I'll give it to Taker. He is trying to like make this look like a legit contest, you know. But there's not a lot of selling. He's just going through the motions, and then yeah, you said um, Mankind <laughs> comes out. Well, Undertaker. They go to the outside. Undertaker pulls back the mats uh, on the floor <laughs> like he's going to do something. Yeah. And Mankind runs out at this point, runs around the ring, <laughs> and trips over the mats, falls flat yeah. on his face, and uh, eventually reaches over and grabs Undertaker's leg and tries to pull him down. I mean, this was just classic Botchamania yeah. there. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he face plants and then he, but luckily he like reaches Undertaker's shoe to like yeah, he falls like on his shoe so he can at least kind of sell it like he's crazy right. it works for him if he was a face he would look like an idiot but he's exactly. a heel so it's fine so um, and he does Paul Bear does hit Undertaker in the back with the urn again at this, in this match so you know uh, and then there's an awful head slam on the table by Terry Gordy he tries to hit like hit Undertaker it's a head on the table and man it just it looks rough, and I just wrote, man, this is rough. It's really hard to watch, like it is. because you know who Terry Gordy is, you know, and how great he used to be. Um, but yeah, that that mankind flop is hilarious. And then there's a double clothesline in the ring, you know, the double down spot, and Undertaker sits up, and he he fights, he's fighting the handicap match, like you said at this point, he's fighting both of them off, and there they go up the aisleway toward the um, in your house set. And I'm yes. glad that this finally comes into play, you know, this yeah. set. It's been here, and we haven't seen it, like, touched, really. I mean, they got near it with the Buried Alive stuff, um, but here it comes into play, so pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they go up to it, and uh, Undertaker ends up throwing Mankind uh, through the In Your House window, and then they go back out the other end through the In Your House door, and uh, it's really fun, uh, cool. different, wakes yeah. the crowd up, for sure. It does, and uh, JR says they're tearing the house down. <laughs> Uh, you you know he wrote that down and was waiting to use it. Like, you know. Uh, he, they went through the door that. and... Uh... Let any bother, bother about it. It was so, yeah, they go into the outdoor. Yeah, but they, again, it comes into play. The crowd kind of pops for that because there's nothing else to pop for. Um, but... Uh, so at this then, point... Undertaker brings Executioner back to the ring. Yeah, it's all okay. fine and dandy at this point, you know, uh, basically a handicap match. And here's where it gets weird, okay? It's supposed to be no DQ, yeah. no count out, uh, balls <laughs> count anywhere, all that stuff. And at this point, a bunch of security goofs come out. J-Brones, man. <laughs> yeah. They come out and start spraying mace at Mankind. <laughs> I should put WTF in my notes. Yeah. Why? What is happening? I have no idea. Um, yeah, they got Zubas and like green security <laughs> shirts on, and there's all these J-Brones in the back. No way that's an official security uniform. <laughs> yeah. and it, well, it is, it is West Palm Beach, right? Oh, maybe. So who knows? Could be. Um, anyway, but yeah, at what point are these guys carrying mace? But that's one of the commentators like, that's mace. I can smell it. I'm like, <laughs> Well, then your nose should be running, like, if you can smell it. So, yeah, they're starting to mace Mankind, and I wrote, why? It's no DQ. Like, exactly. There's no disqualification. Like, at what point? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, because it's not like Undertaker and him are going to have a um, straight jacket match or anything, because eventually, these J-Brones wind up putting Mankind in a straight in jacket a straight here. jacket. And uh, I'm so, thinking, I guess they just kind of did this to do something in the arena, because... For a few minutes, Undertaker and Executioner go outside the arena, and there's right. no big video wall back in the day. 
so they can't right. show what's happening with them. So maybe they just did this to keep the crowd into sure. it for a few minutes. Mankind is just selling, being put in a straight jacket and, and running around. That's the only it's thing cool I can visual. think of. It is cool looking. Yeah, it's a cool visual, but like – Again, why? Like, at what point does security need a straitjacket? It's not an asylum. Like, this is not the World Wrestling Asylum. It's right. World Wrestling Federation. You just yeah. interfered in the it's match. Just... And exactly. Paul Bear is just like standing around watching them do it. Like he's not trying to stop yeah. them or anything. He's just standing in the yeah. corner watching. It's just yeah, it's weird, bizarre. But yeah, back out outside the ring and outside the uh, arena, your camera cuts outside and it shows the executioner like a cartoon. He rolls down the embankment into the whatever the body of water is there but it's like a, it's like a scooby-doo cartoon he just rolls I, down i mean this is wcw level camera work because we it don't is. see undertaker throw him down there it's super dark or really really far away it's just so poorly done it's a cool idea yeah i guess there's like a little creek or basin or something right next to the arena so it's cool that they used it and they do like the they show them going out of the arena and then all these kids follow them and run out of the building yeah. and behind them. Uh, it was really fun, but they just yeah. cut back to mankind and then they cut back outside and he's already fallen down the hill and yeah, you can hardly see it. Exactly, you hardly see it. it's dark. He's rolling down the embankment, but again, what I want to mention about him not selling, he he lands in the water and he just stands up and walks out like yeah. he doesn't sell like no. the you know the shock of it or that he's injured. He just kind of stands up in the like ankle deep water or whatever, waist deep and just walks out. It's just kind of like, man, like what a missed opportunity to sell for the undertaker there. You know? Um, again, he was going through some stuff at this time, I guess we'll have to write it off to that, but it, it could have been this, those little nuances take something a neat visual and make it even better, you know? But, um, yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing the pictures of this in the WWF magazine, uh, back in the day. And this, I don't know. I guess it came out on video somewhere on Coliseum Video, but the video stores in Augusta never had this pay-per-view. Video to go didn't carry in your house. It's time for some reason. So this was literally my first time ever seeing this match. I remember as a kid seeing the pictures in the magazine, seeing him fight outside the arena. I thought, oh, that sounds really cool. I I really want to see that. And yeah, like you just said, it was disappointment. could have been a lot cooler. (laughs) Yeah, it could have, you know. And, yeah, at this point, Undertaker's making his way back into the ring, and I think Mankind's been taken away by the um, uh, asylum officials. <laughs> <laughs> taken to, I don't know, where the padded cell or something. And Well, Undertaker then... knocks him out as he comes back in the arena. Oh, yeah, yeah. He knocks right, Mankind that's right. down. That's right. My bad. I forgot about that. But they have really but cool then... camera work for that, too. It's just, it continues yeah. on. Yeah, a lot of times we've been harping on how good the production has been for a lot of this stuff, but these last few episodes did miss some things, um, you know. So yeah, I missed that. Just this is an off night for everybody. It's just yeah. this card looks like it's cursed. You know, Vader couldn't even be at it. It's named after him. It's just it screwed everything up. So, yeah. but then Executioner makes his way back in the ring, and he has zero offense once he gets back in the ring. There was something in that water that he got thrown in. Well, and. Undertaker just says he's done with this when they get yeah, back in the ring, so. pretty much. He clotheslines yeah. him, gets him up for the tombstone. And, and his water dripping out of his boots, dripping out of Executioner's boots. It's really cool it was to cool. see. It's funny, yeah. It's hilarious. Um, and he gets the pin right there, the first pin. Yep. Okay, so remember the rules of this match. They've built it up. There's going to be multiple falls because... There's going to be a one, two, three count, and then the wrestler's going to have a chance to answer the 10 count. And when they do, 
the match is going to continue and it's going to keep going on. It's going to be last man standing rules. It's going to be lots of exciting action here. So I'm sitting here watching it. <laughs> he get uh, executioner gets pinned. Referee starts counting to ten. One, well, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> executioner yeah. down for the count immediately. Yeah. Now for the 13 count, man. It's, golly, it's... Why? Why even do this stipulation, man? Right. You know, and I I want to have a couple comments here, too, because, like, so, okay, Undertaker gives him the tombstone. He gets the three count, right? Right. Crowd, like, crowd pops, because, you know, we're, 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 we're used to that. You get the three count, it's over, you know, or you're used to last man standing, where... They have to beat the count up, you know. You're not, you're not used to the, the mixing of both. So the crowd pops, like, yeah, you won. But then the ref kind of looks around. And the Undertaker, like, you can see him, like, motioning to him, like, count. Like, he's like, <laughs> it's not over yet. And so the referee, I don't remember who it was, Corderas maybe. But anyway, he starts counting to ten. But you can see Undertaker, like, nudging him, like, it's time to count it, you know. Like, this match isn't over yet. And then he does. But, yeah, it's just so um, – there's no drama. There's no, no false finishes. Even no. in, a, in a match I don't like is a flag match. But there's there's drama with that. Um, as bad as John Cena and Rusev's match was last year, flag, it had drama. It had quote-unquote false finishes of them almost getting the flag there. Or even like a <clears throat> so-and-so on a pole match. You get, the, you get the drama of them almost getting the thing off the pole. Or uh, even like a, a last man standing. You get, you know, you get... Somebody makes it back up to their feet by the eight count. Yeah, there's none of that in this match. It's a bunch of Gaga, a bunch of outside stuff, a straight jacket. I mean, there's plenty of nonsense, but there's no like false finishes. You know, there's nothing to sell that drama um, to the fans. Or and I, I wonder if they just called an audible and said screw it, count to ten. You know, <laughs> I don't know if they got cut for time or if Undertaker yeah. just decided, yeah, I'm not gonna let him get any kind of pinfall <laughs> on me yeah. and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a waste nope. of the stipulation. No Asiatic spike. No, spike. no even attempt nope. at it. You know, why build it up for two weeks in his matches, go off the air on Raw Monday, and you don't even have a tease where he holds the thumb out like the bar or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't even hold it out like he's going to go for it. Undertaker ducks it or anything. Like, there's no... There's no drama there, and, and there's no heat for the executioner. He gets no heat on Undertaker. Um, so, yeah, I just... I don't know. It's weird. Like... We sound like we're crapping on this match. Well, yeah, it's, it's not, just a it's a disappointment. Like, it's just it's disappointing because we've seen so many good things, and we we are passionate about this character Undertaker, and yeah. and the story has been told. But yeah, it's just this is really a dud, and it's just a missed opportunity all around. And it's a shame on the booking to, of it yeah. to end this feud with mankind and Paul Bearer yeah. this way. Exactly. Uh, Undertaker does the throat slash. Paul Bearer runs away, and Mr. Man wraps it up, saying, "One day, the Undertaker will get his hands on yep. Paul Bearer and." We'll be left to see that on another day, but this will wrap it up for this one. It pretty much wraps it up for the executioner in the WWE. Uh, yeah. I did. I watched. He has a match on Superstars against Goldust in the middle of January, and it's it's brutal. Ten minute match, but Goldust wins, and Paul Bear gets in the ring and slams the urn on top of the executioner's head to kind of write ah. off the executioner and end their alignment. So it just goes to show you how. Uh, you know how disappointing executioner was in that you know we've already watched the royal rumble match you and i have and they're like having to reuse all sorts of guys and bringing all these guys from mexico 
they could have yeah. thrown Executioner in there, but they clearly were yeah. just done with him. You know, they yeah. needed guys at this point, but they were they didn't need this guy. <laughs> they didn't need him that bad. Yeah. So, which again, it's like he's got a great legacy. You hate to see his legacy end like this. You know, I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame with the free birds and stuff. Um, but yeah. Terry Gordy is a great wrestler, but just not here, you know, not at this yeah. point. And yeah, I made this match was 11 minutes and 31 seconds. I don't know if I said that earlier. I like to give the times, but um, yeah, so probably about four minutes too long, honestly. Um, this match, if if they're if they're gonna do no false finishes, no none of that drama for the ten count, and it, like it could have been seven minutes probably and been okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got the same point across, you know. And you uh, know, executioner. If he would have used that big axe that he came out there with, he could have ended this match really Killed quickly. Killed the guy. Yeah, yeah. No DQ. <laughs> exactly. What are you thinking, yes. man? Why te- yeah. Why bring that out? Why have a weapon that you can't use? You know, exactly. it's just, it's silly. Yeah, that makes sense. Silly, silly. Uh, but that's that, folks. That's that, that wraps up 1996 for us. So we're down through, we've gone through six years here six now, right? Six years of The Undertaker through 29 episodes. And man, we're just getting started. Uh, oh, yeah. So we would love for you to follow us along on this journey uh, at Talking Taker on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Podbean. Give us a follow, a subscription, a comment, a rating. Let us know how you feel. We love doing this for you guys, for our fellow creatures of the night. We love getting your feedback. We love hearing from you. And I just want to say, you know, I mentioned I want to talk about 1997 real quick because I'm excited yeah. for it. You know, uh, 1996 Me has too. been fun. A uh, lot more of the modern stuff that everybody remembers, classic. Some of the first really, really classic, great in-ring Undertaker encounters in 1996. Um, we've kind of ended in this weird stretch of gimmick matches. I think he's had yeah. five gimmick matches in a row to end 1996. We had the Boiler Room Brawl. Final Curtain, Buried Alive, Shark Cage match. Shark Cage. And then um, Armageddon, Armageddon Rules, Rules match. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, we're going to yeah. get uh, a few more stipulations in 97, but not quite as many. But here's what we have to look forward to in 1997, people. I uh, just wanted you to get excited and stick along with this on this journey because we're going to be getting uh, the one of the Undertaker's best matches and WWE, WWE F's best matches, the uh, final four match in your house, February 97. Mm, yeah. We're going to get Undertaker back on top as the WWF champion for the first time in six years. We're going to get the first ever Hell in a Cell match. We're going to get the debut of Kane and that whole storyline that we're going to get to talk about. Can't wait for that. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. We're going to get to talk about that for months and months. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming and, and some bad stuff too. I know we enjoy talking about the bad stuff and those are some fun episodes too. So there is going to be some bad stuff mixed in there, but stick along with us on this journey. And if you haven't been watching the matches along with us, yeah, I know you really, you may not have time to do that. 1997, especially if you've never watched the early days of the undertaker, if you're a more, if you've just started watching wrestling in the past few years, 1997 is the year to jump on board with like yep. watching along with us. There's going to be some of the Undertaker's best matches and some of the WWF's best matches in, in yep. all of their history. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, 
again telling the story of the Undertaker and telling the story of how the how the wrestling business changes and how he's the cornerstone too. Again, he's we've seen him adapt his style, he's updated his look, and again we've been dropping names like the The Rock. You know, he debuted at uh, last month's pay per view, and Stone Cold Steve Austin is clearly a rising star here. Undertaker again. He's going to be in the main event picture. Um, 97 also is going to bring along DX near the end of 97. You know, we're going to get the Montreal screw job. Uh, we're going to get Steve Austin dropped on his head, which makes him change um, the way he writes. It's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming in 97. Yeah, 97 is a great year to pick up. It's I believe 97 is the year when I got back in officially as a fan. Um, I believe that's when you and I – is that when we met? We can talk about us meeting yeah. at our friendship exactly. beginning. <laughs> You to talk about that. The most historic um, moment. When, exactly. This is when I got back into wrestling as a full-time fan, full, like, on blast, loved it ever since. So um, I have some fond memories of this next year coming up, too. Um, again, we take the good and the bad and the ugly as well. So we'll take all the all the crap that comes in between, like this match. That exactly. We just but, yeah, well, we encourage you guys to go watch these matches coming up in 97. So um, and if you were there at this pay-per-view it's time we want to know how disappointed you were that vader was not there because it's time it's time it's vader time but he was not there uh and maybe he was off filming uh baywatch i don't know that was before <laughs> this one no he was filming boy meets world we talked oh, about boy meets world yeah could have been that man we can talk about that later too anyway um if you were there west palm beach if you were one of these people in the arena there we want to know we still haven't had anyone take us up on that uh we're looking forward to that so Follow us on all those things, Alex said. Any other shout-outs or anything? Nah, man. I think that's it. Let's wrap up 96. All right. Let's wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Put it under the Christmas tree. It's a lump of coal. Spoiler alert. Take her easy. Speaking of the oh, wait a minute. What's this? The Asian spike coming at you, perhaps? Oh.